0: Hello, and welcome back to Subject Matter Pros. Um, A few episodes ago, we had a guest on our show, Veronica Kirin. Veronica is an anthropologist, author, and a serial entrepreneur who teaches impact-driven small business leaders to scale like a startup so that they can reclaim their freedom and also work on exponentially growing their business. Now, one of the things we talked about uh, during our episode was... There are, there are some key differences between a startup and a small or medium-sized business, especially in terms of finding their work-life balance, uh, you know, how much time should an individual be investing when they're in a small business versus a startup. And part of um, Veronica's specialty, um, and these are services she which she provides to her clients, is assistance with automation. Because... Um, That is a big benefactor to helping entrepreneurs grow their business, scale their business rapidly, while also being able to maintain a relatively enjoyable work-life balance where you're avoiding business burnout. And these are things that, you know, she also talks about in her three pillars of growth. Um, And for all the information for that, um, you know, to keep this episode relevant to automation, um, please feel free to visit subjectmatterprose.com and under the episode page, you'll find a link to the complete episode with Veronica. So with that, uh, we'd like to thank Veronica back again on our show. Welcome back to Subject Matter Pros.
1: Yeah, thanks Kunal. <laughs>
0: All right, right, ma'am. So let's jump right into it. You know, it was um, last time when we talked about the three pillars of business scaling and your experiences working with small business owners and, you know, I love how you were able to draw the critical distinction between how a lot of small business owners have that startup mindset, which is not really applicable to them uh, because they're just two completely different types of businesses. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we've mixed up in our, we've mixed those up in our minds. Uh, And then we talked about automation and I know like that episode of ours was, it was such a wonderful episode that I wanted to break it up into two parts, just so for our listener base as well they would have um, slightly more ease of access as far as, you know, getting all this information from you. So let's jump right into it. You know, automation um, that's really where, you know, I think that's gotta be the number one saving grace for small business owners. No,
1: yeah, definitely. And that's why it's the first pillar of business scaling. In my book, whenever I'm working with a client and they're saying that they're totally overwhelmed with their time, the first thing that we start to look at is what we can use technology to do to open up their time. Um, and as I, you know, we talked about last time, the... Number one myth about scaling especially for small businesses is that it's going to cost money because we look at either fortune 500 companies or we look at um, the startup world because that's who makes headlines and we see them investing in you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars millions of dollars Other to grow sold. the business fast yeah Uh, And so we think like, oh, I have to have an injection of funds. I have to have a loan. I have to have a VC or an angel investor or something like that in order to scale the business. And that's not true. That's not what scaling is. Scaling is creating the ability, restructuring your business so that it can grow exponentially, exponentially without having your time also grow exponentially. Because we can't, like our time is limited, right? Like we all are limited by what I call the human twenty-four hour limit. Every single person has this. So, like, if you see a competitor doing more, they're not doing more because they have more time. They're doing more because they've probably automated their business well. And I apologize, as I mentioned to you, I just got over COVID, so my word usage sometimes is a little bit unique. That is getting better. I apologize to that. We're well, glad you're
0: well. You know that's what's more important.
1: <laughs> We're going to make up a few words while we're here today.
0: <laughs> I like that. You know what? That's a whole, that's, I think, I was um, on a just a complete sidetrack note. I was listening to a podcast on language, and it was very interesting because they had, uh, I'll keep this brief, but they had this, um, I think it was a TEDx talk or something, and it was about language. And they had this woman on there, and it was surrounding pronouns and mm-hmm. around they and their, and, you know, people's preference for using those. And it's amazing how she talks about all what language really is. It's just an evolution of how humans communicate. So, Right. In our next-
1: language up until this point hasn't been able to yeah. facilitate so that conversation. So our... it needs to change.
0: Yeah, we're going to come up with new words that are going to be, you know, they're going right. to have staying power. So right, we're going to email out. I awesome think
1: we now. mentioned that last time that I also do um, diversity and inclusion for LGBTQ issues in small businesses because it is really critical to creating good partnerships. Inclusion is really important in good partnerships. But yeah, so we'll just make up some words maybe today. And I think the audience, (laughs) thanks for bearing with me. Um, But yeah, so if, if you feel like you're struggling in your business, the first thing to look at really is what can be automated. And so I use the metric of whatever is recurring in the business. So you've done it more than once. Uh, But that doesn't need human intervention. And that's where some humility comes in. Because I, with my first small business, a tech company, I really thought I was given the special touch to my clients by handling all the things myself. And what I was doing instead was using all my time and all my clients' time. So it wasn't good. I thought I was doing something nice. But it wasn't. It was just using everybody's time and it wasn't replicatable, which meant that like I couldn't study how it was going because I did it different every time because I'm a human. So that's the baseline, really. Like, I love that we're focusing on automation because it really can change the game. And most of the automation software out there is free.
0: And you know what? I really like uh, at the start. Like, I mean, that's something where we should just throw little injunction in here is that There's no substitute to hard work and effort. All this is, is like, I I really love your definition and view on scaling as, you know, being like relative to what your business is growing, your time commitment should not grow proportionately. And that's really what people need to understand is that you you still got to work, whether it's X number of hours a day or how you may, you just have to, there's ways to not have to work as much as you're growing. And with your client, right. you know, I couldn't agree more. Like as, as a small business owner, we all want to provide, we feel that as, as a stakeholder, you're going to have, going to deliver generally a higher level of service or, you know, you care more because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the money flows through your bank account before you disperse it to your employees and contractors. Right. But yeah, there's that balancing act. Because clients will, like, I love my clients, but man, they have no boundaries. Like they don't understand, <laughs> like, you know, especially if they have your contact info, your yes. disposal, if you're in, if they're in bed at 2am on a Friday and a thought pops in their head, guess who's getting Doesn't that matter. at 2am right. on a Friday? Yeah. Like you are. Definitely. Right? So yeah. So
1: <laughs> I just had this conversation with a client, actually, this is such a great point. Um. So first of all, Being a business owner is a little bit like being a parent. We have to hold very firm boundaries. We have to do some disciplinary action with employees, but also with our clients, they try to push those boundaries, Um, but lovingly, you know, supportively. Um, My client was going through the same thing. So her client would call her in the middle of the Saturday and derail her whole day off with some emergency, which it's not her fault there's an emergency. It's the client's poor planning. That there's an emergency, right? But she would it just—it—it it creates anxiety. So, um, proposal,
0: right? it's not your fault that it's an emergency. It's the client's fault. It's, <laughs> it's
1: the client's fault. There's I a mean, who's planning. Come on, seriously. I know, but like, I just
0: love it. Like, if, if they could understand that, hey, because I had that happen, like literally last week, somebody emailed me uh, saying, "Hey, I got a trade show coming up in three days," and I'm going, "Your trade show was not organized." How long days, have
1: you known? Life. Yes.
0: I, like, I this mean, this is I'll why I actually
1: I never work. Over the holiday, I take two two weeks off at the end of the year because there is everyone knows that this holiday is coming. It happens yearly. There is nothing that you can tell me. Twenty
0: fifth was going to be a holiday this year. Oh snap! Sorry.
1: But so what we did for my client was that um, she basically had path pass through access with her clients. She's a consultant. She's a management consultant, and so her clients had her phone number, text messaging, email, etc. Just like you said. Um, and so what we realized is that her meeting scheduling was not automated. And so we got her using Calendly, which is one of the free opportunities, uh, the free technologies that will automate your scheduling. There's several others out there. There's like time trade and acuity. And there's like a lot of them these days, most of them are free to start. And then as you add more calendars, then it starts to have a little bit of money involved, but Hey, that's okay. Because if you need more calendars, that means that you've, Scaled probably, right? Or anyway, if you're
0: using five calendars and you got to review, you got to go back to the drawing board and streamline your operation. Right,
1: why are you doing that? Right, so yeah, get honest with yourself what the reason is. But um, by funneling her clients through her calendar, first of all, we could dictate how many hours each client gets per month as part of the retainer. And as you probably know, we can set the calendar The automation to only look at certain days of the week and even certain times on those days, which meant they can't call her on Saturday because it's not on the calendar. They have to set a meeting and then discuss whatever they need to discuss. And so now her time is protected. And she's not involving anybody's time in order to get their meeting scheduled. If they want a meeting, they can schedule it. They have quote unquote free access to her but within the boundaries that the technology protects for her. It's beautiful.
0: And I think you recommended, um, you know, until our episode, um, my podcast about a couple of years old now and uh, not too many recordings, but during our episode, you mentioned some of these to me. And I actually started using Calendly for our podcast and it's, it's yeah wonderful how much control you actually have on like, right. Because again, I, I do this as a side hobby, passion project of mine. So I got to make sure that I can't, I'm not available seven days a week or f- to record. No
1: way. So right. I, like,
0: a lot of my guests don't want to show up on weekends because that's your personal time off. You want to do something, you know, or like, mm-hmm. like a situation like yours where you have time zone constraints sometimes where we have to, yeah. work, right? Right. And I was very pleasantly surprised by because i had this misnomer that you know a lot of people you'd see a, almost every signature that gets received in your inbox these days has some form of digital calendar application meeting link yeah. embedded mm-hmm. at the bottom there in signature right and i was a little confused just with how many options there are and what they would be able to do especially all the right. premium models that these guys put out where their free offering, like you said, is very robust. It's just, if you're, you know, if you have a lot of people on your team, or you're generating strong revenues, where you need added functionality, then, you know, their monthly fees are not exorbitant. It's just, as, until you have that sort of scale, you may feel it may be expensive, but really, they're very not, they're well priced. And I right. love how much control i have like my calendar i think i only gave all my guests i believe one day of the week or two days of the week and like a two-hour window to select from because i'm like these are the only realistic times that i can block off consistently for recording the show and not have it impact my everything else and then just the automation and then i another thing i did was okay before i jump into what i did so what was my reservation in terms of being proactive in signing up with all of these again Calendly we'll just use that as a placeholder for
1: mm-hmm. for any of it is yeah.
0: um they all need to be integrated with your email and a few other systems that you have mm-hmm. just because okay that's how a lot of these apps work that's how it, it, yeah whole relevant bits of data from let's say if you had a gmail meeting Like Google is notorious for that, right? Like where Mm -hmm. if you book a flight, all of a sudden in your inbox, you get this, hey, you're going to country X, Y, Z on this day at this time, right? Like, I mean, you didn't even put it into your anything with Google, but odds are most people use Gmail or some Google service for their life. And now it picks out your, which is super eerie because if I just booked a flight somewhere, how does my email have my entire departure date? Or, like, you know, the company will send a receipt of your flight booking to your email mm-hmm. account. And now your email, Google automatically populates your It's schedule very, free.
1: very basic AI. I mean, it that's is. like the simplest AI.
0: But that's within, that's the, out that's there. within the Google, yeah. area, right? Where it reads certain data.
1: Right. Now, right.
0: When you're bringing in a lot of these third parties, what they do ask you is, you know, you have to integrate and you have to give mm-hmm. them account access. And I've always been very scared of, my biggest reservation has been, you know, a nefarious use of free access to data. Because sure. Calendly, for example, now by having an integration in my Google, uh, they have access, pretty much unfettered access to my account. They can see all the data. They can read through all the emails. They can run in all their systems, whatever it is that they want to some degree. They
1: can't. Okay, maybe not Calendly going
0: to Gmail to that, but I'm sure there's some, depending upon the functionality that these stacks may provide, there's a few things you have to check off. and
1: Yeah, you do. But the password that. is obscured. The data is obscured. All it's checking for is a yes-no question in this okay. case. So it's saying yes or no, is this time available on that day? And then it populates a match in Calendly if, like if it's basically if-then statements. So they're not reading, but I do have an answer for you because I I agree that we have to be mindful about data protections. So there's there's two questions that I get when we're talking about automation and using technology to the best of its ability. The first is, uh, just as you were saying, can it actually do that? Or like, can I even customize? Am I gonna lose some of my, like uh, the personal touch, right? And as you just said, check it out. Calendly can make it seem very personalized, both to what your needs are and also to your clients' needs, right? So it doesn't feel like a personal touch has been lost. Technology is very, very adept these days. I think a lot of people still think like we're in the 2010s, but we're in the 2020s and technology can do almost everything now to the point of it being a little scary. So that brings us to the second concern that you're bringing up, what happens with data. And so I personally tend to default towards open source apps. There's one that I love. It's called Ferdium. And uh, it is an open source messenger integration app. It's built on Chromium, which is Google Chrome, right? So it just uses that stack. um, And it puts all of my messenger apps in one window. I'm talking about uh, Telegram, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Discord, Slack, you name it, right? Like how many Messenger apps do we have these days? Oh my God. Now they're in one window on my computer, one. And that has saved me so much time and headache. And I'm so much more on top of the groups that I'm supposed to be participating in. And I say supposed to be because they're they're choices that I made, but you know, as you know, I, I received the Forbes uh, Top 1,000 uh, Entrepreneurial Award last year. So there's a private group on Slack specific to awardees. That's a really important network for me. I want to be involved. But if I have to have Slack open and Facebook Messenger open and Discord open because that's where my private group is, and Telegram and WhatsApp, and I have to open all these windows every day, and then have them all using RAM on my computer. Guess what? I'm not going to open all of them. Some of them are going to fall to the wayside, probably the ones that I don't use every day. Because I don't, I don't use that group every single day, but it's really important. So Feridium, there's, there's other apps that do that, but Ferdium is open source. You download it from their GitHub access point. So we can track where the data goes. The public can see how they're using data they they can see how the API is being used. And so wherever possible, if you're concerned about data usage, I do recommend that you aim for open source options because at the very least there's a checks and balances there compared to Facebook which is like a black hole for data these days which is why my business is technically not on Facebook anymore.
0: And, and you know, again, like I don't mean to be, I'm, I'm, I'm not so much into, I had a friend of mine who made fun of this of me a few years ago. Uh, this is early, like probably more than 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I was very nervous about how much Gmail would do. My buddy's like, bro, you're not relevant enough in Google's eyes that they care that much about you. And if they do, then you should be happy. Then you got, you know, that's not a problem of yours. But so I'm not too much worried about the companies having access to the information. that I'm not important enough to that degree. It's just you do hear a lot of data breaches. And there's a lot of cybersecurity concerns that are going on. There definitely the right are. And then we cross so much of our information into Different systems. At the moment you have any form of compromise in one access or platform, you got to pretty much reset the entire tower to some degree. I mean, you should ideally- And it's
1: not it's not just pat it's not just passwords either. Yes. We're entering, I mean, not to just go super dark, but we're entering surveillance state level issues now with governments. As you know, the United States just struck down Roe v. Wade, and that's important because surveillance now can happen on women. They can literally. It's already happened. You can subpoena people's app data. So women across the United States are deleting menstrual tracking apps because <sighs> yeah. so it matters. Does it ma- am I important enough? In this moment, maybe not, but you are a drop in an ocean of data that the companies are using, which does eventually matter because they do use when when we have millions of data points, we can influence elections. When we have millions of data points, we can influence shopping, which as business owners, that is useful to us, but as individuals, that can be really harmful. So it does matter, but we have to make a middle ground. We have to choose wisely what we're using, what we're not using. I think it is probably too far in one direction to say, I have to lock down 100% of everything all the time and not reap the benefits that are available to us. But I think it's also important to recognize that if it is free, I'm probably the product. I mean, if it's like totally 100% free all the time, not with Calendly. Calendly is a private company that has a very good data track record and is a freemium product, which means they're making plenty of money without selling your data. Right. Um, But if it's free, I'm the, I'm the product. Facebook is using our data nefariously. So it is important to think about that and to protect your data, and protect your company's data. But it's not about passwords. It's about what happens when we have so many data points that influence can happen and what happens when governments or other shadow entities, not governments, shadow entities, want to access the data. I'm not worried about passwords. I'm not worried about, oh, here's here's an issue with my credit card. I have to get a new one now. That's frustrating. Yes. That's, that's not the scale. We talk about scaling. That's not the scale to be concerned about.
0: And thank you for, you know what, clarifying that because I used to be very ground, like I guess grassroots level on that because I would be more worried about the inconveniences of what some of these things will cause rather than taking a step back and just seeing the bigger picture of, okay, you know, what could really be the implication? Because I know the content is obviously one thing that that's huge, right? like mm-hmm. And yes, with how much technology has evolved and the kind of AI that's out there, when you feed data into it, there's such such deep learning stuff out there.
1: AI uh, is solving, can- like the ex- AI can literally look at a CAT scan and diagnose whether or not a person has cancer way before a doctor ever could. Yeah. Like that's how good it is, yes. which we can extrapolate for the good and the bad. There's always two sides to the coin. And so it's just a matter of really being considerate with how you're using your company, yeah. You have power as an entrepreneur. So how are you using your company? How are you influencing the lives of your employees and your contractors? How are you influencing the lives of your clients and customers? And how are you managing your data? And so if you don't have a CTO, you know, if you're a solopreneur or you're a newpreneur, um, you don't have somebody who is managing the tech for you. Just look into options when you're going to be automating for uh, open source options or options that have really good data track record. Just spend like an extra 10 minutes doing a little bit of research when you're making a decision about an app, but don't shoot yourself in the foot and just totally remove the opportunity to grow your business because you're not going to stay competitive if you if you say, I'm not going to do any of it. Like I have a client who's totally, he's not on social media. So we're aiming for Discord and Slack for marketing his company instead, because there's amazing business groups in those spaces, right? So we can have him market his company through other opportunities that aren't data syncs. And we know Discord, at least for now, is community-oriented, and they have really positive data management um, track record, and so does Slack. Um, And so that's the way we're going with him. Uh, so you can you can make these decisions and you can make them wisely and have them be a fit for your company without shooting yourself in the foot and saying no to every single opportunity.
0: Okay. Um, and then, you know, transitioning a little bit to the actual physical app. So, yes, I do use Calendly. I use Slack. Um, I use Discord for not business related, just another network that I'm a part of. So I really like this Ferdium thing you talked about, because it is true. Like I was uh, just thinking in my head, I'm like, yeah, you know, every once in a while, I open up WhatsApp because some of my contacts will, some clients, right. especially. And a big part of it is how you've trained your clients to communicate mm-hmm. with you. Where yes. as I've evolved my business, you know, I've had some folks who are like, hey, send me a message or email me or shoot me a message on Slack or WhatsApp or how you may. And then that becomes the MO going forward for how we communicate with that specific client or that team just because yeah. You,
1: when you say so yes, you fault, really,
0: that's that's really us entrepreneurs. If we take ownership of the reason we get ourselves into such a bunch of workflows is because we create those workflows for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we set these standards for our customers to follow. And,
1: totally.
0: Okay. So I use some of these things. Um, and then a big part of like my work is I run a lot of my, business on the google workspace i just love yeah. the whole google g suite i don't know i, think, I know they've rebranded that so i may not be using the right
1: brand. a million times they've rebranded, it. Yeah,
0: they've re-branded <laughs> it i think there's a website for it uh or like google put aside or google killed it or something <laughs> like that and literally if you go to like google or something like that it has a list of every single project that google has undertaken that it launched and then it just never took off and it's pretty funny Mm. it actually shows you all the name changes but yeah so between google um, and some of these other apps that i talked about it's incredible how my entire business i'm able to run it on the cloud so that effectively gives me the autonomy to and they all have cell phone apps so like let's say if i'm yeah if i don't even want to take my laptop because if i'm on a yeah like you know let's say taking a i'm not i'm not blessed enough where i could take a complete two week Vacation with complete blackout, like no
1: contact. Yeah,
0: no contact. I don't have that, but I'm fortunate enough where, with the help of these apps, I could take off for a week or two weeks, not have to carry. You have location
1: independence.
0: Yes, just have my phone available, and then if there's anything high priority, I can access all the content I need on there through all these devices, and then at least delegate it to the right teams that need to address the concern. Rather right. than having multiple things open. And even another thing that I added was um, with, with Calendly that you talk about, and this is something that I was doing slightly more mechanical myself, is that mm-hmm. when we had a guest come on there, you know, I would manually, you know, we'd, we'd um, discuss our availability, pick a time slot. I would manually go ahead and schedule you in for that. Then I'd have to go mm-hmm. into Zoom right. and create generate a zoom link for the show whereas now with Calendly it's like boom automatic you get a zoom link I got a notification this is done I just click on here and then like you said you can add all kinds of customizations even in the freemium models for how you want the automated response to look like to the person going out like how much of that touch you want I'm sure you can create lots of user groups and things like that as -hmm. well Um, and I'll jump right back to you with some of the other things but you and I, we know what, how open source things work, you know, working with getting access, downloading things from GitHub and stuff like that. But for some of our listeners who may not be as tech savvy perhaps, or just as comfortable Mm -hmm. with some of these, because there's so much jargon that it could be overwhelming at times. um, Could you just give folks a quick little few seconds on what, how you view open source or, Stuff like oh, that. Sure. Again, a little bit of research that they have to do, but just so they understand the difference between open source software versus like mm-hmm. a private yeah. selling a software.
1: So open source literally means that the uh all of the code, all of the documents for the app are available to the public. You can see all the way to the bare bones. And so that tells you, um, you know, if I'm looking at the code. And I see an API and an API is basically a call. Like you're talking about Calendly can connect your Google calendar with Zoom and pull up a link and create it for you and then integrate it into your Google calendar. So it's doing that through um, an API key, which is just a fancy special address that allows it to do that for you. Um, And so when I know that this open source app is calling two other apps to get information and data, Um, I can then look at the source documents and I can see, okay, here's the line where the API is called. Here's where that information and data goes. Here's how that information and data is stored. And so I can start to see and understand um, exactly what's happening within the app. And that means that you can call them out if something nefarious is happening. Um, But the thing is, typically within the open source community, it really is a community um, of people who believe in free. um, Open source apps are usually free and uh, free access. So free and free access to technology, really the early days of the internet when, yes, it was the wild, wild west, but we could do anything because there were no constraints. There was no like HTML five making it all, you know, like there was nothing like that. So um, that's why I really, I gravitate towards open source. I'm not always able to use it, but if you type in like open source messenger apps into Google, you'll quickly start to find many options. And that's how I found Ferdium. Um, and i vetted it. I've used it for a long time. Uh, I actually used its predecessor before uh, I used Ferdium. The predecessor is called Ferdi. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's the creator of Ferdi said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to update this app anymore. It's taking too much of my time. It was open source. So one of the passionate users said, okay, I'll take it and I'll run with it and created Ferdium. So that's the kind of cool thing that happens within the open source community as well.
0: And for our listeners, um, Bitcoin technically is open source too. So all of the Bitcoin code is open source. If you're really mad into the Bitcoin market, it's the same analogy. It's good. It actually there's no open, I like I love open source stuff because it keeps it yeah clean and safe. And then
1: it's above board as much as it can be.
0: Yeah, and and, and just the number of eyes looking at it is so many that if. Mm. Any one person notices anything off, they have the optionality to revise it and then have everyone else chime in on whether or not what they did enhanced the offering. Right. Right. From what it is that they right. Was-
1: yeah. Sometimes open source is that the source logs, you know, the data files are readable. Sometimes open source means you can edit it too. You can actually like add to the app and change it um so so yeah it is really it is really a a cool community and a cool opportunity to um to use technology in a way that feels a little bit safer
0: and then you know both of us we've had uh, enough experience being in the technology domain and Mm -hmm. developers and engineers and a lot of people in this field they're fantastic honestly they're some of the most wonderful like altruistic sharing people because the internet was built from people Literally taking code from other people and just like the stood yeah, the of and, giant
1: and nerding out and seeing, like, what can I do with this? What can I make this do? Like, yeah.
0: It's incredible really how people time. love to share. They're just like, because at yeah. the end of the day, it's like, it's okay, like, hey, you know what? I can give you my exact code. And there's a ton of repositories mm-hmm. online where you can get code for all kinds of things. Yeah. You're still going to have to personalize it to your thing. It's like you could give your client a template for communications or emails or anything like that mm-hmm. like, which are fantastic but they're still going to have to take that core template that you deliver to them and mm-hmm. make it applicable to that individual client to theirs like you can create the most personalized template but you cannot personalize every single template for every communication that goes out on their behalf you just can't right at that point right. it is their effort yeah so there's, there's a lot of good there, there's a lot of good reasons why people do this again I just want people just I want listeners to know that it's not a bad thing that there's open source it doesn't take away from commerce it doesn't take away from anything all it does is just accelerates our development and then yep. hence the safety actually when people work as a commune together to share things
1: yeah and it's just yeah. you know,
0: most people do a lot of good with technology so it's just unfortunate that if anything bad happens and that it really gets there's a lot of propaganda of that across a lot of mm-hmm. you know, sources. So we only hear about those and not all the good things. Um, but okay, before, but now we're now we're getting into personal stuff. But we had, so Calendly and, um, you know, so he talked about Slack. He talked about Discord. He talked about Ferdium. And you also mentioned something very important uh, while we we're talking about Ferdium, was the effort you invest in vetting the stack. Because yeah. what's the ramp up process like for a business let's say if i'm a new small business and i decided to integrate with a few apps that would be relevant for my needs and Mm -hmm. i research them on the internet you know there's so much content that sometimes it's hard yeah to get all of it but let's say if i get something and it's not ideal what about transitioning out like you know that's got to be another real disheartening moment because if you're not tech savvy now you've just invested all this time wrapping your head around Mm -hmm. how this GUI or this front end works and you realize that it wasn't ideal or now you ended up getting um, professional services where they recommended, Hey, you know, let's say you come in and I'm using track, for example, or something. And then you're like, Hey, you know what? Use Calendly Kunal. It's much better for you. And if it has a different interface, it may actually put me off or give me impression of more work than that is needed. So right. that that vetting part of what you said really stood out to me, where like you've you know. So can you go over just like how important that is that you actually spent time exploring these programs, playing around with them in so many different mm-hmm. capacities to fully extract.
1: Definitely. Like I think um, one of the things that I really look for is first of all how long has the company been around, the company, the app, whatever it is. Like how long has this thing been around, which tells me okay it's got longevity, at least to some extent, because people like it enough or works well enough. Right. Um, I want to know what it integrates into. Um, so how far can it go? Basically. Um, one of my, like the, the CRM that I converted to helps me automate my communications. Um, it draws in, data from my phone, my text messages, my social media, and my email, and and my calendar. So every touch point with my clients ever is organized into my CRM, right? So, But I I went for it, not just because it was more powerful than any other CRM and also had a fair price point because I've met CRMs that are like, we're the most powerful, but we're a hundred bucks a month. I'm like, no, don't, don't get any of that gotcha BS with me. Um, I had a client who was using it. And so I got to see a little bit of the back end before I decided I wanted to use it. So I look at price point. I look at how, how much integration it can have. I look at age. Um, and I look at uh, user, how many users are on it like if they're serving only a few thousand people, maybe it's not quite right. If they're serving tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, they've been around for years. I know there's a great track record. I get really curious about customer service. So if I really want to know, like I'm really on the fence and I don't know, like what's their customer service like? You can find out either by becoming a prospective client and sending them an email or taking the trial and communicating with their chat uh, services or email or whatever. Um, one of my the the app that I use for my client management, which is called Coach Accountable. Um, and and by the way, the CRM that I use is called Close with a Z. Um, and I can send links to all of these as well. But um, I converted to Coach Accountable partly because someone recommended it to me. But when I was trying to figure out how to integrate it into my company on the free trial. Not only did the support person say, um, oh, here's how to do it. And they responded really fast. They also said, you know what? Why don't we just hop on a quick quick Zoom call and I'll screen share with you and help you set it up like one-on-one. I wasn't even paying for it yet. Right. So that's a deep level customer service. So you can vet customer service yourself or I'm a really big fan of what Reddit says because nobody's paying Redditors to say anything good or bad. And we know that people on Reddit can be vicious. So if it's really good and they say it's really good, I really believe them. But if they have anything bad to say, I really believe that, too. So um, I think those are the things that I really look for when I'm looking to vet. Um, and I would recommend that if somebody is thinking about starting to automate their company, don't try to shoot for the moon, try to shoot for the low-hanging fruit first. So whatever it is, like like Kunal, what you said, you had this extraneous um, thing that you're doing, which is podcasting. It's not your primary work and it you don't want it to take extra time because probably your income from the podcast is not a huge amount of your revenue, right? So uh, you spending actual time scheduling people is literally you paying for the podcast, right? Time is money. You could be doing work for your clients. Yeah. So so you started to use Calendly, suddenly got this off of your plate and it was a very simple place yeah. to start automating your company.
0: There's one step I, I integrated... I got my Zoom and Calendly things in line and that literally saved me 15 hours minutes of active work, like, in a, like 50 yeah. 20 minutes of deep work because I got to open up all these multiple screens, send everything. And then it keeps me organized, right. populates my calendars. I don't got to... And it allows you to pick things based on my right. predetermined availability for that rather than... And 12, I
1: can choose 12. when I'm ready to choose. I don't have to wait for you to be ready to choose and like... Right. Exactly. So go for low hanging fruit and go for the thing that probably will have the most impact in your company or open up time, uh, especially when it's doing stuff that's not making you money.
0: Yes. And then what about like, you know, let's say if I transition from Calendly to another scheduling app Monday, or like, again, I'm not very, uh, and there's also like a, that's another thing that like, you know, where people underestimate the power of your experience and your knowledge in this, because some of these companies, they have uh, such good advertising budgets that when you type in a competitor's <laughs> name, their name pops up right. So
1: yeah, for, always scroll past the ads. I get it, I get it. But like,
0: like it's easy to like get lost in. There's so many choices yeah. available to us. Yeah. Uh, so what's some good other like you know when when you're transitioning from you you implemented. Uh, set of applications to help automate your work and now as you evolve like i use hubspot yeah to my crm and you know yeah, yeah. close is fantastic so let's say right. i want to then just transition over to close or something like that i have a lot of data in hubspot i've been using mm-hmm. hubspot for the last four or five years it's got a lot right. of my things built into it so how, what's the cost like or what's the effort involved when you're transitioning from one to another and you know like yeah you know, your expertise would also come into something like this
1: It depends. (laughs) So if you're transitioning Calendly to Acuity, let's say, it's probably going to take you an hour max, right? Transitioning my CRM, I went from Streak to Close. So I was using Streak, which at the time was free. So I think you have probably noticed too that maybe some of the things that were free in the teens aren't so free anymore. Um, So Streak used to be a free CRM that integrated into Gmail. So I could have my Gmail window window open, but then I also had pipelines and that was kind of really nice. Um, I abandoned Streak not because it stopped being free, but because uh, I wanted more power. I actually abandoned Streak. uh, I was grandfathered in, so I abandoned it. It was still free for me. Um, It took me two weeks of daily intensive, like several hours a day intensive reprogramming into close in order to get my CRM totally moved over. Cause as you said, that's a lot of data and legacy information. And I wanted to make sure that my tags were just right. So that my, my CRM was really searchable. Um, I have clients who have transitioned their CRMs and they do it over a longer period of time. So like it is up to you, but if, if you know that you are going to be doing a data intensive transition plan for it. Empower your future self by setting aside an hour a day for the next week or two and allowing you the space and time to do it so that you don't feel panicked about it or like you're losing money because now you're paying for two or like whatever it is.
0: And then, uh, you know, like it's, it's like you said, shoot for the low hanging fruit. Every business is unique. And then we work with so many different types of businesses and different verticals, different scales, different service offerings, that Mm -hmm. there isn't like a one size fits all type of solution. It's almost like everyone has to, you almost have to spend time with somebody else who's very familiar with what each one of these applications provides in its course service to see which ones even make sense because whole point of automation is to reduce your work. And if automation requires you to put in a lot, because one thing with automation is it's data driven. So it does require Mm -hmm. data to be entered, and then you have to give it some form of guidance on how you want it to present to you.
1: You have to train it a little.
0: Yeah. And it can be very easy, like, especially if you're organized, if you're really into organization or something like that, this becomes like a game. You can Mm. gamify some of these apps where now (laughs) an inordinate amount of time doing this, making yourself like you're being productive because you're doing something work related, whereas really you're not creating any economic value. You're doing something business. So it's also like a balancing act where you don't just throw yourself completely into the deep end where now you're like, Oh my Lord, what am I doing over here? But at the same time, uh, so like what I'm really trying to get at is um, there's so many apps out there, it's not fair to ask you to like, you know, list Which ones are out there, or anything? Because Mm -hmm. it's it's so subjective to what your needs are that you would right,
1: right. So I say lists
0: with you, like how would they get in touch with you to just you know work along, identify, be like, okay, you know, if I'm like, hey, Veronica, I need a few things for subject matter pros, you know, what at like, what would you recommend work specific to Mm -hmm. my podcast based on these constraints and challenges that I'm facing with the podcast so what would be the best way to work around something like that with you
1: definitely uh so i offer a 15 minute consultation just complimentary anyway because i want to know i I just i want to know a lot about your company and we're not going to do it via email there's just no way so um you can get on my homepage, which i know you'll link in the uh show notes and um just schedule your session and um i actually ask in in that uh, uh, initial contact, you know, what, what are you working on? What's your goal right now? So that we can use that 15 minutes to the max. Um, and then from there, yeah, we'll work towards finding a custom fit for you because just as you said, Kunal, everybody's business is different. Um, and so everybody needs different solutions. Uh, I have ones that I'm personally partial to, but, um, I think, if somebody is just really new to automation, the best thing that they can do is like flip through Zapier just to like start to get an understanding of what automation even looks like. Um, Zapier can't solve everything. And a lot of times you have to do ultra, ultra customized connections, but it gets you at least into the frame of mind of what is possible. And so then if you're looking for something more robust, now we have a baseline to go after.
0: It is. I've played around with some of this stuff and it can be fairly, uh, it can be overwhelming, especially because it's a new thing you're adding on. You're taking on new, you're going out of your comfort zone. So I can truly see the value in, and, and like you said, it, the, the cost of you're already on the fence of whether or not you want to do this. If it doesn't go well, it's going to be more expensive and onerous for you to re-rectify things. So you think, and this is where like you need to have you know, professional guidance from mm-hmm. someone like yourself who could take a bird's eye view of, okay, you know what? This is what this business does at its core. And based on what you do and what your needs are, perhaps some of these offerings may work well to help you launch and then yeah. as you evolve, you know, then you keep in touch and then uh, maybe you start with paid subscriptions or you move on or anything like that. So I don't know.
1: Yep. We'll find the right path forward.
0: And then any closing words on um, just overall automation? Cause you know what, like I really wanted to just touch around a few key things surrounding, yeah. you know, this, the data protection side of things, how people can use it, talk about a few things surrounding automation and how they may help. Um, the the stacks and stuff is very subjective to every individual case, but any closing thoughts for in regards to automation or what you've seen or anything that we left out on?
1: You know, I think that anyone who's worried about time and how much time is it going to take to set something up? Look, if you're going to hire someone, like if you're going to have an employee do something in your company, you're also going to, Have to put in time in order to train them. Now you're going to spend a lot more money training a human. So let's train an app to do it for you so that you can hire wisely in the future and everybody's time is used well. So be an entrepreneur, be brave, be excited, look to expand, and use automation to support you. And so you can, you know, take a vacation. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can build an empire. By the way, I so love that. So you can mindset. build an empire. That's true. That's uh, <laughs> all about building an empire. But Veronica, thank you so much. You know what? Uh, between last, between your last show and this one, I think we've really touched on a lot of things that, as individuals embark on building their empire, um, they forget how to take care of themselves, they forget how to scale properly, they forget about everything that's available around them. And then mm-hmm. you're also such a control freak when you're an entrepreneur sometimes that you don't know how to let go. Um, it's just yes. it's all skills that take time to build up, right? When you work for someone, you're yes. like told very clearly what to do, you deliver it, you got a paycheck in your bank. As an entrepreneur, it's a little bit, slightly different, it works in reverse kind of, but yeah, it's, it's nice to have um, an understanding, especially how much we struggle Because oftentimes entrepreneurs are not very vocal about the challenges they face, Mm -hmm. but they exist. So it's really wonderful to have someone like you come on and actually articulate that on a global level, what needs to be done and uh, things that are out there so people can continue building an empire.
1: Yep, I've been through it all. So you're not going to scare me with your struggles and I'm going to help you get to success. (laughs)
0: That's amazing well veronica thank you so much and um you know for our guests if you'd like to get in touch with veronica please visit veronica or you can visit our website at subjectmatterprose.com and on the episodes page you'll find links to our linkedin profile and website and then in thank closing you. oh you're welcome and in closing uh thank you for tuning to this episode we hope you found it valuable if there are any topics that you would like to recommend for future podcasts or if you'd like to be a guest on our show please drop us a line at subjectmatterpros at gmail.com or by visiting our site at subjectmatterpros.com. Until the next episode.